Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 136 of Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo. I'm joined by Steve Politti once again, uh, previewing week four of the New Orleans Saints against the New York football Giants at MetLife Stadium. Uh, Steve, this should be an exciting game because you have an offense with the Giants that finally found its footing last week and a Saints team coming in that even though this might not be your father's Saints or your older brother's Saints, still a lot of fire power with Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas as well. It certainly has the look of the best game of the week, doesn't it? I mean, and, and I remember a couple a couple of years ago down at the, in the uh, Superdome when it was a 42-49 wacky, one of the craziest games of, you know, of the year. Uh, of course, the year after that, it was 16-13. So, you, I mean, you just never know with the NFL. But on paper, certainly, if you're looking at it, it should be a fun one. Yep, no, I totally agree. And just a little bit of housekeeping before we dive into the matchup and break it down matchup by matchup heading into the game. If you like what you hear, we'd love if you'd subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. It really helps us grow the show. And if you want to find us, we're on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You can follow the pod on Twitter at TalkIsCheapNYG. Steve, you wrote a terrific column on Thursday morning comparing the longevity of both Drew Brees and Eli Manning. Both have won Super Bowls. We've been down this road with these two many times before. They've had some epic showdowns through the years. Uh, To me, that's one of the more fascinating games within the game. What are you going to get from these two quarterbacks? And I think that's much more of a known out of Brees than it is out of Eli Manning at this stage of his career. But if he plays like he did last week, the Giants are going to feel really good about their chances. Yeah, I just found it really cool that these guys knew each other. They met at a playoff game, an Indianapolis Colts playoff game. This would have been uh, Peyton Manning's second year. Eli was still in high school. Drew Brees was still, you know, college quarterback, a very good college quarterback at Purdue. Uh, and they met in the sidelines, shook hands, uh, and developed a relationship over the years. And it, it's kind of cool because, you know, obviously uh, Brees becoming the an icon in New Orleans. Well, that's where Eli grew up, and that's where Archie Manning played played his uh, NFL career. And uh, <clears throat> Breeze is even sending his kids to the high school that Peyton and Eli went to. So there's a lot of different overlap there. Uh, they, the families know each other well. Uh, the players know each other well. There's just a lot of respect there, I think, also. Uh, and it's hard not to just, uh, I mean, you know, they've played a combined 471 games. I mean, it's, yeah. it's hard not to just take a step back and marvel at that. Uh, you know, there have been ups and downs for both, certainly. A more uh, downs lately for Eli 
than than Breeze. But you know, it's it's just really an impressive accomplishment. And there's no signs of slowing down. I asked I asked Drew Breeze, you know, are you going to do this to your 45? And his answer was, I think I can. But that doesn't mean I'm going to. I mean, it was a really confident <laughs> kind of answer. And if you watch him, I mean, I, I put on the highlights of the the, the the Falcons game. I mean, the way he's running that offense, the way he's fitting fitting the balls into tight windows uh, on on the move. I mean, it it's really it is really impressive. And uh, Steve, I know there are different. Eighty percent of he's completed eighty percent of his passes so far this year. That's which amazing. Is just just a crazy wackatoid number. One thousand seventy eight yards leads the league in passing. Eight touchdowns. Passer rating of one. 22.2. It's amazing to think about a guy who at this stage of his career with the kind of longevity that he's had at age 39 is playing at this high a level. And of course, we saw Tom Brady win the Super Bowl two years ago, go back and lose to the Eagles last year. But Breeze, to me, in terms of caliber of play, in terms of passing yards, in terms of every aspect of being a quarterback, at this advanced stage of his career, he's right up there, if not better than Brady in terms of production, in my opinion. You know, it's hard to argue that. No, I will say this: in in, in Tom's in Tom's defense, well, Drew does have some weapons, <laughs> a little bit better collection of weapons on his side. It's amazing that offense is just is loaded. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and it, it just he hasn't lost a step at all. There, there's no there's no slippage there, and it's just uh, it's 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 fun to marvel at. Remember, this is a guy that people didn't think a lot of people didn't think could be an NFL quarterback because of his height and his and you know and his other other tangibles. But it's just amazing the way he, he's operating that offense. Yeah, coming out of Purdue, I remember the same red flags, not really red flags, but question marks about Drew Brees as we saw coming out of Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield, not quite NFL size. Is he going to be the kind of pocket passer you need him to be in the NFL? And Drew Brees, I mean, the, the track record speaks for itself. And for the Giants defense, you have to worry about Brees stretching it deep with the leading receiver in the NFL, Michael Thomas. But you have a little bit of an acid test of sorts in the backfield with Alvin Kamara. Uh, and, and, and this matchup for the old heads is always going to be... Uh, Eli Manning versus Drew Brees when these two teams come together, right? But in terms of what's to come in the future, it's Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. At least those are the two knowns. Kamara so far this year, 430 yards from scrimmage. He has three total touchdowns. He had 31 touches last week. So as much as we want to talk about the high-powered and explosive Saints passing game, a lot of that's starting to funnel through Kamara and they move him around similarly to what the Giants did with Barkley last week, putting him as a wide receiver, throwing to him out of the backfield, handing it off. Uh, this is going to be fascinating to watch the Giants front seven against Alvin Kamara on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he was targeted 20 times. Targeted 20 yeah. times in the game. I mean, they lined up, they lined him out wide on one play I saw, uh, and he just, he, you know, he just cut back in, and it was you know, a simple pass over the middle that gained 15 yards. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, pick play pass. It's indefensible, you know. So uh, there are so many things he does, and I think, you know, it's funny. We, this could be a debate. This could make your head explode when I say this, but if you were to pick if you had to take one of these two running backs gun to your head, Kamara or Barkley for the long term, I mean, <laughs> you, could yeah. pretty, you could make a pretty strong case uh, that it's the third round pick uh, Kamara from last year uh, just because of the way he is so good in the pass, so good in the passing game and in so many different ways. And between the tackles as a runner, I mean, he's not as powerful as Barkley, but I, he, he is just as good as hitting the hole. So it's a fascinating kind of uh, matchup between those two guys. Which one would you no, take? Matt, I'm just curious. <laughs> today, today if, 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 if you had if you had to win a game on Sunday, I think right. you take Alvin Kamara. But I think that Barkley has the higher ceiling because of what he does as a runner. And I think that he has all of those same intangibles as Kamara, if not better. That's but, true. But, that, I mean, yeah, you have a good point. 
today, I think that Kamara is further advanced in his career, and I think he'd be silly not to acknowledge that going into this week's game. But I, I think one of the big keys for the Giants on Sunday, Steve, involves Barkley, and it involves moving him around like they did last week. That was the first time we really saw him lined up out wide and targeted as a wide receiver, and he had that that you know really nice leaping catch along mm-hmm. the sidelines over Zach Cunningham, the Texans linebacker. I, I really believe that unless the Giants' offensive line continues to find its footing, which I thought they got better as the game went along in the run game last week. But until they build on that game to game to game, you got to start moving Barkley out wide, putting him in the slot, moving him around and throwing him the ball in space. They did a nice job about again, about doing that last week. I think you need to continue that on Sunday. Right. And it was a big improvement from obviously the Dallas game when he was just the check down Charlie, as we've discussed. I also like what Barkley was able to do. I, I think he was taking the two, three yard gain a little bit more. He wasn't trying to, you know, turn every carry yeah. into a 60 yard. I mean, I think that's an important little step in his development, realizing that sometimes a four yard gain is pretty good. Uh, you know? And that was the biggest question about him coming out of college was he would get hit behind the line of scrimmage, right. trying to bounce it outside. And we saw that a little bit in, against Jacksonville and it paid off with the home run ball, uh, the 68 yard touchdown. But I thought you're right that against Houston, he started to take the two and three yard gains up the middle. And, and if you can do that and just move the chains and move the the line of scrimmage forward and and shorten the downs, that's going to help the offense keep the ball rolling. Right, and let's face it, we're still we're still in a situation. I know there's a lot of talk about Chad Wheeler and switching up that offensive line and improving it, but it is still a below average offensive line. I mean, he, you know, this is a work in progress. This is, and you know, it this is not the same pass rush from a week ago that that, that Houston has, but it's you know they've got some dangerous guys along that defensive front. So it's going to be another test for for Barkley uh, in, in making and making stuff happen. Absolutely. Well, well, let's start right there as we dive into the key matchups as we do all every week on on the preview pod. Um, um, you know, let's start right there with, with Chad Wheeler, because I think we both agreed that he kind of got overwhelmed last week in the second half, as a lot of people would against J.J. Watt. Watt had a career afternoon, but it doesn't get much easier for him. You, you have Cameron Jordan coming in. He has three sacks uh, so far this season and he or four sacks rather. And he has 13 tackles through the first three games. This is another dominant pass rusher that the Giants are putting Chad Wheeler out there, probably on an island because you, you can't put, leave Red Ellison in his an inline blocker if he has to pick up some of the, the pass catching responsibilities as Evan Ingram had now that he's out. But Wheeler against Jordan is going to be one of those games in the trenches that's going to decide the outcome of this contest, in my opinion. <laughs> Right. It seems like, at least based on what, what the Saints have done throughout with Cameron Jordan, he's going to be coming at he's going to come at Wheeler the entire game. He doesn't move around a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, is a, that is a challenging situation. And you, you would think that they'd be, you know, the Giants would be smart to try to get him some help along the way, run away from him, do some things they did last week, you know, as far as rolling Eli out a little bit. You know, there, there are a lot of things he can do. But, yeah, Chad Wheeler's going to have to be better than he was a week ago. There's no question. Yeah, I think we'll see a little bit more of Elijah Penny, the fullback this week, especially with Ingram being out. I don't know that you can run as many two tight end sets with Simonson and Ellison as maybe you could with Ellison and Ingram. But if you're going to have a fullback in there to chip or if, if, if you're moving Barkley out into the slot and you can have Gallman and, and, and Penny in the backfield, I think that creates some matchup opportunities for you in the passing game and, and a little bit of unpredictability in the run game as well. Yeah, and they, and and Pat Schumer raved about Ellison. It's funny, you know, like every now and then you ask a routine question and you get an answer you're like, "Wow, this guy really." I mean, he compared him to Mark Bavaro. I mean, he was really. Uh, I think they they like him a lot. Uh, he obviously had a he had a great uh, touchdown reception last week. I think you'll see, you know, there'll be a chance for him to really have a big game. 
And as much as I'm very high on Evan Ingram, and I think that he's one of the better pass-catching tight ends in the league, probably top five or ten in that category, I think the Giants' offense might be better with Ellison on the field because he's he's a much better blocker. And we much saw better. last week that he, he's serviceable in the passing game when he caught that touchdown on a perfectly thrown ball from Eli, hit him in stride over the defender, and Ellison had to go up and grab it. And I thought he made a really nice catch. There is a long list of tight ends, of uh, mediocre tight ends that are pass-catching tight ends that Eli Manning has turned have turned into servable receivers <laughs> over the years, right? I mean, we can make, I can live in front of me, you can make a list of these guys who, you know, Bear Pasco and I mean, some of these guys have, you know, boss over the years. So this is just another opportunity for him, yeah, to do, uh, you know, to be that guy, to be that safety valve, to be, to be another target for a big target for Eli down the field. Yeah, but especially if you're going to exploit the middle of the Saints defense, you're going to have to get him involved. Another matchup that I'm really excited for, and I headlined the the key matchup story with it this morning, Steve, Janoris Jenkins against Michael Thomas. And if you thought Mm -hmm. that Jalen Ramsey against Odell Beckham Jr. was fun, wouldn't take it Janoris Jenkins against Thomas. Like we said, (laughs) Thomas leads the NFL, 38 catches, 398 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Janoris Jenkins had that really acrobatic interception against the Jaguars where he fell out of bounds, got both feet in bounds before falling backwards. And then, of course, Dallas, it didn't go as well. Tavon Austin, the running back slash wide receiver, had that 68-yard bomb on the third play of the game. Um, how do you see this matchup playing out? Because Jenkins, one of the league's elite cornerbacks against maybe the premier receiver in the game right now, Michael Thomas. I, I've got to feel like it's Edge Thomas just because it's never in the secondary. It's never just a one-on-one matchup. And, I mean, if Drew Brees is watching that that second-half film of the Giants against the Texans, I mean, I know the Texans receivers were just running hog wild. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, there there are some issues still at safety for this Giants team. I think, you know, that that's going to be a big that that could be a problem. Uh, I mean, Thomas is fantastic. And what and what Breeze does so well, I mean, even when guys are covered, you know, even like General Shakings could have perfect coverage on him and, and Breeze still finds a way to get it into the tightest hole. So, yeah, uh, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if Thomas did not have a big game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you could see over 100 receiving yards and two touchdowns from Michael Thomas if this becomes a track meet. And I think that one of the things the Giants have to do is try to replicate the game plan from a week ago, like we talked about, rolling Eli Manning out, uh, a well-balanced of run to pass. They ran the ball 27 times, passed it 29, control the tempo of the game, dominate the time of possession, because if this gets into a high-scoring affair— I just don't think that the Giants' defense is good enough to keep the Saints under 35 in that type of a situation. And I, I certainly don't think the offense can get above 30. Well, that, that's fascinating. And the, the defense is extremely confident, though. I mean, this is, you know, they've had three solid performances in a row, at least at, you know, on the scoreboard, uh, holding teams to 20 points. Is that that's about what you would yep. want a winning football team to do, right? I agree. Keep, keep, keep teams I agree. around that level. Yeah. Uh, and they are opportunistic against, uh, against Houston. You know, they're creating turnover. Uh, you know they were they were very good against the run game, so that that's another that's another positive going into this one. Uh, this is going to be the first, I think, the first real big test for this defense. Uh, so let's see it. Let's see if it really is good. I mean, it looks like it looks like on the outsider that they're really they're really kind of piecing things together with a with a bunch of guys, right? <laughs> that's just how it looks like when you're looking at it. Is this defense as good as it's played so far? Uh, will it I mean, certainly will help getting some guys back if Eli Apple and and Olivia Vernon are, are ready to go. Right. Uh, but I mean, it's still, we still haven't seen it against an offense like this. Listen, I, I agree with everything you just said. And I think there's a lot to like about what the Giants defense has done through the first three games. I think that if you told me that they would have been the more dominant unit of the offense versus the defense heading into the season three weeks in, 
I think I would have laughed at you because of how much firepower there is on offense. But really, this defense has been the backbone. You pointed it out. 20 points per game in the first three weeks is the average. They did a really nice job last week. And this is where it comes into Alvin Kamara territory on Sunday Mm -hmm. in the matchup against the front seven. You look at them holding the number one ranked Texans rushing offense to 59 total yards. Lamar Miller had 10 yards on 10 carries. It doesn't get much better than that. But I agree with with this that you pointed out as well, that I don't think that they've faced a more complete offense than they're about to face on Sunday in New Orleans. When you can have Breeze back there, Kamara, Thomas, that Mm -hmm. offensive line that's doing a nice job. Uh, And and Kamara, you just look at the numbers, 430 from scrimmage, three touchdowns, 16 carries, 66 yards. Last week, 15 catches for 124 yards. It's going to be a big boost if they can get Olivier Vernon back and he was limited in practice on Wednesday. It's the first time he's even done that since August 26 when he suffered a high ankle sprain. So if they get Vernon back and can generate a pass rush on Breeze, I think that helps. But I, I don't love the matchup of Kamara against the Giants front seven. Leonard Fournette before he got hurt, 4.7 yards per carry in the right. first half. Ezekiel Elliott had a couple of big runs. Last week, I thought they played really well, played above their heads. And if they do that again, I think we start to change the dynamic of how we look at this season for the Giants if they can replicate that sort of success against Deshaun Watson and Lamar Miller against Kamara in the Breeze ground attack. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Damon Harrison up front is playing great. I mean, they, they've got to get, you know, they've got to get guys in the backfield. They've got to put some pressure on Breeze. They still haven't really had a pass rush, this Giants team. And that's, you know, if this is a close game in the fourth quarter, you're going to want to be able to, you know, any team, any against any opponent, but certainly against Drew Brees, you're going to want to be able to make him make him make a mistake. And uh, they haven't really put pressure on anybody yet. This is going to be another test to do that. But you're right. This is I mean, this is a step up. This is a step up in competition. So we'll see how the defense responds. Yep. Uh, and and on the flip side of that coin, we touched on it real briefly earlier when we compared Kamara and Barkley, but Saquon Barkley against the Saints front seven, that's a, that's a critical matchup for the Giants offense because if they bottle up Barkley as well as the Cowboys did in the running game and you make Eli beat you and you make the Giants a one-dimensional team, that's where I think you could risk some turnovers. That's where I, re- I think that you could really uh, fall into three and outs and struggle moving the football. They need to find balance, and that starts with getting Saquon Barkley going in the run game. Right. And that keeps the Saints off the field, obviously. So that that's the other key to that. And, you know, the Giants at least finally last week sustained a couple of long drives. And that, that was good to see. We talked about, all right, where's the big play? Where's the big play from Oleo Beckham? Where's the, you know, where's the breakout 80 yard catch or whatever. But at least last week there were some, you know, some six, six, six play, eight play drives down the field for scores. So that's a positive step. Uh, the offense, I mean, hadn't had a game like that. Look at it. I mean, this is the best performance for Eli Manning in, in years and one of the best ever. Right. 86.2% was his second highest completion rating in his career. And then, and, and 132, 132.3 was his 10th highest quarterback rating. So he hasn't been this good in a long time. Uh, let's see him do it in back-to-back weeks. Let's see him do it against, again, this, the, the Saints defense is not going to be regarded as one of the top defenses in the league. It's an opportunity for him to show more progress and show that maybe that, that last game wasn't a flash in the pan. I agree. And as far as Saquon goes, you look at the Saints rushing defense, 84.3 yards allowed per game, one of the stingiest in the NFL. And I reached out to Pro Football Focus because it seems like Saquon Barkley has been getting hit behind the line of scrimmage a lot through the first three games, especially against Dallas and against Jacksonville. Uh, Steve, let me tell you that of his 216 rushing yards, 174 yards have come after contact. Is that right? (laughs) <laughs> he only has 42 rushing yards on the year before taking on contact against 
the defense. What is the average? It's incredible. What is the average NFL? What is like Elliott or William? What are the average running back have? Yeah, that's- I, I, I'm, I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting for the reply. But I saw that metric and I was like, you know, it doesn't surprise me. But I yeah. think that when people say, oh, well, what has Saquon Barkley done so far? I think you point out the Zach Cunningham catch that turned the tide of the game. And you point out that number 42 yards before contact out of 216. Yeah, and I, uh, you mentioned that. I love that catch because, it, A, the aggressiveness on third and two when you thought, well, all right, well maybe Pat Sherman's going to have him plow into the line and just try to yeah. get the first down. No, he was going he was going for two 20-yard catch down the sideline. Barkley calling for the ball, saying, I want, I'm here, like holding his hand up. And yep. Eli trusting him. Eli trusting to throw it to him. So there's a lot of things on that player that were great. You know, and, uh, yeah, as far as the, that is 174 yards, that, that is incredible after three games. I mean, that, that's, that is a wild statistic. Yeah, and I don't think it gets much easier against the Saints on Sunday. And just what I want to touch on something you just talked about, the aggressiveness of Pat Shermer. I think we saw a little bit of it, and albeit it was perplexing and confusing with going for it on fourth and one from your own 38 against the Cowboys and not going for it on fourth and one from the 50. I really thought that they were much more aggressive overall against the Texans last week. Do you think this could be a trend? Do you think that we're going to start to see um, four weeks into his coaching career, we're going to see Pat Shermer be more aggressive on offense, or is that still a bit of a wild card? I mean, I think I think it's trending in that direction, absolutely. And then those two calls were, I mean, because Cowboys were were gutsy, uh, two of two of them, I think, both on the, on the uh, Giants side of the field. And you know, I don't, I've, I've followed the Giants for for twenty years now. I don't think I ever saw Eli Manning plow into the line <laughs> behind his center for yard. So that was in itself was a, was a, an impressive wrinkle. Um, and I hope he is aggressive because it, it I, you know, there's so there's too many there are too many fourth and one punts. And I think all yeah. the metrics, all the metrics, all the advanced math that coaches love to ignore you know, in the heat of the trenches and the battle and all that stuff show that you should be more aggressive on fourth down. It, 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 it makes a huge difference. And uh, you're going to lose some of those. But if you have if you have a guy like Barkley and you, ha- you have Eli, experienced veteran quarterback who can you see where the hole is, you know, it, he's absolutely right to do that. And I think it I think it'll make a big difference, uh, especially in a game like this. Every possession is going to matter. So why punt it? away to Drew Brees if you have a chance even at midfield and fourth and one. Yep. And of course, I think the matchup that determines the outcome of the game is the Giants pass rush and passing defense against Drew Brees, right? I think that as Drew Brees goes on Sunday, so too will the Saints and so too will the Giants. I mean, you look at even the the game where they struggled against the Cleveland Browns and albeit, I think the Browns might have one of the top two or three most dominant and ferocious defenses in the league. And we saw what they did to the Jets last week, but 243 yards, two scores, not your mammoth Drew Brees performance that you might expect and it took a bunch of missed kicks by the Browns for the Saints to win that game whereas yep. if you look at the two wins 396 yards and three scores 439 yards and three scores against the Buccaneers and Falcons respectively if Brees has a big game if he throws for over 300 350 yards uh, shut the lights out the party's over yeah right and uh, we actually asked uh, Sean Payton about that is this is, is this as good as uh, Drew Brees has played and he pointed out that look we've had three games we've had two we were very good on offense one game we did not play well and he made a point of, you know, so clearly he is not letting this get to the, the Saints heads. He's pointing out that they were bad against the Browns and did not have a good offensive game. Uh, the Giants secondary again, you know, uh, Curtis Riley, they've had some issues in, in, in cover situations. And certainly when it was clear that that Deshaun Jack, that Sean Watson was going to drop back and pass uh, on every down, they couldn't stop him. I mean, he was they was throwing 20 yard gains uh, on, on every time he stepped back, it seemed like in the end. And it was only the turnovers, only the opportunist opportunist plays that stopped Houston in that game. So 
they need better coverage. They need a better pass rush. Uh, or, yeah, I think you're right. That, that could be a big mismatch for the Saints. You know, I agree. Um, before we get into our picks, what's your big picture feel of this game? How do you think it plays out and where do you think is the biggest key for the Giants? Uh, I mean, big picture, it's, it's another one of these. All right. So is this going to be a season? You know, it's like, yeah. we keep like, I know it's like a week to week league and, you know, but uh, if, if they win this game, they're two and two. And you're like, all right, well, this is there's potential for the Giants to do something here. It's not, you know, it's, it's not it's not a crazy scenario for them to get to a situation, especially if the NFC East is going to be like this this year where teams are up and down. Uh, but if they're one and three and they're going on the road to a rested Carolina team, I mean, you're looking, you're looking at a situation where this season it could be over before the Yankees get start getting through the playoffs again. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's that's to me, and it, it's going to be like this every week for this team. But this is another one of these games, sort of that you know comes across to me as like, all right, this is a, a, a barometer of, of, of was Dave Gettleman right to go all in? Is Eli Manning back? Is the whole like is this franchise going to turn around on a dime, or is it was three and thirteen more of what this team really is? So it's going to well, be yeah. for me an interesting Steve how that plays out. And and I, I tend to agree with that. And I think that when you look at the Giants' second half schedule, right, when you look at the last, let's say, seven or eight games of the season, and again, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves. Players call it a week-to-week league, yada, yada, yada. Well, we're not players. We can do that. There are some <laughs> winnable games on that schedule. You go to San Francisco without Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you have the now. Bears. You have the Bears who I think are, again, one of the more menacing defenses, but Mitchell Trubisky hasn't really taken the kind of progression that a lot of people might have liked to see. You have have the Redskins coming to town. You have a, a Tennessee Titans team that who knows what they are at this point. Indianapolis Colts. I think that that's a very winnable game on Christmas weekend. And the Cowboys here to close out the year uh, of the final six games. I, I think if the Giants go three and three or four and two, there's a good chance that you're in the mix for one of those wild card spots in an NFC that doesn't look to have those breakout teams that we thought they would uh, coming into the season. But are you going to be are you going to be one in five after six? That's the problem. I mean, so that's the problem. That's that's the problem. problem. That, that's they lose this week and out Carolina and then they have a short turnaround uh, to play the Eagles. And I know they you know, Eli Manning is find some sort of magic. I don't know what they you know, that the Eagles have single handedly tried to keep him into the league in the league over the last few right. years with these big performances. But still, that's a that's a possibility that, you know, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. You need to be happy to business in, in this game. If, if you're two right. and four and, and you wind up. Uh, winning four, five of the, four or five of those last six and you steal a game along the way, you can piece together a, a season where you're in the conversation. But if you lose on Sunday, I, I don't think any of that matters. Right. And then it's more likely that you're, 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 you're having a strong finish to go seven and nine, which of course Correct. is the worst case scenario. We talked about like on draft day, if they go all in on this team and you, you, you suddenly like, all right, so we're going to we're gonna get the running back. We don't, we're not going to worry. We're going to kick the can down the road with the quarterback. Eli's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. And now you're sitting there in, you know, in that middle of the draft again, you know, when you're seven and nine, you're a team with a, now you have a 38 year old quarterback. That's the, that's the kind of scenario that a lot of people feared. And I think if you lose this game, you're closer to it than you are to getting that wild card. Yeah. And if you lose this game, the season could come off the rails as well. Let's let's be you know real about this. When you have Carolina, Atlanta and Philadelphia over the next three weeks, uh, you need to take care of business at home against the Saints. Again, if you win, I think you're in the conversation. You're competitive for the long term. I, I don't know how easy it is to keep it together with a loss. This is fascinating. They have not been favored yet this year and probably won't be until the Redskins come in week eight. And even then, we don't know. Like, let's see what the Redskins are going to do the next few weeks. They've been I mean, they've been hit or miss, obviously, but 
they're clearly not a bad team. They're an average team. So, uh, cold stuff. They did lose to the Colts. Right. They did lose to the Colts. I'm not saying that. I didn't say they were a good team. Good, good, goodbye, suicide pool entry number one for Matt Lombardo. See you later. <laughs> you're just bitter. Okay, you're, that's fine. You can be bitter about that. That's understandable. They're, you know, they're, on your, they're on your bad list now. I get yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. <laughs> All right, so the moment has arrived. The picks post will officially drop on Friday on NJ.com, where you get all of the predictions from the entire NJ.com sports staff. You get all the predictions from the NFL analysts. But if you subscribe to the pod and if you listen to the pod, you get Steve and my picks right now. And I've been waffling back and forth on this all week. You seem pretty steadfast in your selection. Who do you have winning the game and what's the score? Yeah, I, I have the Saints winning, and I, I, this is going to be one of these like kicking the you know where for for the Giants. But I have them winning thirty-seven to thirty-four, which means finally the Giants are going to score and crack the thirty-yard thirty-point plateau against the Saints. It's the first time they've scored thirty points since two thousand fifteen, and still lose the game. I, I mean, I just you know I know that Drew Brees isn't as good outdoors. I, I get all that stuff. It's uh, you know, I but I just think that against this secondary and the way that offense is playing, they're going to score points, and if they have the ball late in the game. Uh, I just like Drew Brees and, and finding a way to get this team to win. Yeah, I, I'd love to see the Giants, from the Giants' perspective, control the tempo, dominate the line of scrimmage, dominate time of possession, keep the ball out of Brees' hands. I just don't know if you can do that against this defense. And I think that the Giants secondary, and we touched on it with Curtis Riley's issues over the top. We've touched on it with Michael Thomas and Janoris Jenkins. As great a matchup as that is, as dominant as a cornerback as Jenkins is, I think Thomas has the upper hand there. And I think Drew Brees has a chance to put up a lot of points. Um, I don't quite think the Giants score 30 points. I think that narrative continues to follow them into Carolina, gets on the plane with them next week and plays the <laughs> Panthers with them next week. Uh, but I do think they lose the game 31 to 29. Um, even if Eli Manning makes a late charge, I, I just don't think that this defense is going to have all the answers for Drew Brees and the high powered Saints. The good news though, Giants fans is that we're always wrong. At least I've been wrong. Correct. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I was wrong last week. I was wrong against the Cowboys. I, I think I, I got right the opener right. Jaguars. Right, yeah, right but against the Jaguars. That was I am game. also one and two. <laughs> Riding a two-game losing streak in this one, so who knows? And this is your swan song on the talk. It is, yes. Thank goodness. Ryan Dunleavy, who's been out uh, out after the birth of his son, will be back next week. It's been a pleasure filling in for him, but he's the expert, and he'll be sitting in this seat come uh, next week. Yeah, look forward to getting Ryan back, but it's always fun talking to you, Steve. I look forward to Sunday. I think it's going to be an, a wildly entertaining game uh, between the Giants and the Saints. Again, if you like what you heard on the pod, uh, subscribe on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google Play, iHeartRadio, anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Follow Steve on Twitter, at Steve Politti. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. Um, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday, and I'll see you then, Steve. Me too. Thanks, Matt. See you then. 